Hi, welcome to the Freight Waves Carrier Summit. I'm JT Angstrom here at Freight Waves. I'm with Spencer Tenney, President and CEO of the Tenney Group. Spencer, welcome to the Carrier Summit. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I've spoken with a handful of bankers in this space over the past few months to try to gauge what's going on with respect to M&A activity interrelated to the pandemic period. And the majority of bankers I've spoken to have noted that transactional activity had sort of taken a step down, uh, not to a full pause, but sort of decelerated. And I was very interested to hear in chatting with you ahead of this that it sounds like you've actually seen a, a, a countercycling of that uh, in your target market segment. I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on why that is, what's going on, what your pulse on uh, deal flow is, and uh, how you're perceiving the market. Uh, yeah, happy to. I think we, we might have some of the same investment banking friends uh, that we've been talking to, um, uh, because you know, going back three or four months, um, even some of the best folks that I know, more general in nature, but some of the top investment bankers in the country, pretty much share that. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but we're pencils down right now. It's it's total shutdown on all deal activity, um, and to, even even to the tune of downsizing um, their staff by 25 to 50 percent, or or you know, comp. And, and that same um, uh, percentage. So um, just because not so much uncertainty around what's happening right now and, and, and what deals may get done that they'll be a part of. And for us, it's just been um, it's just been a little bit of a different experience. I think part of that is because, and we've done this through seven different cycles, not quite like COVID, but over the last you know 47 years of doing this, you know when you know the market compresses, for many operations, it becomes even that much more critical to find strategic solutions that allow um, good companies to get better, to thrive, to become more sustainable, um, and for other companies to figure out a way to quickly have a stepping off point uh, that makes sense. And then it just we just find ourselves in a position to be much more uh, responsive to a situation like this. What is the most frequent uh, strategic rationale for seeking to go to market are you seeing? Is it on the buy side? Is it on the sell side? Is it uh, to build out new comp competencies? Is it conversely, uh, you know, to raise capital um, due to compressed cash flows? Is it, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to cut this cookie. Are there core themes that you're seeing? There have been core themes that have been there for the last 36 months or longer. And I think what COVID has done is it, it has um, forced action of probably what should have been going on anyways. And so, like, one of the common themes is to, uh, use acquisitions to offset rising expenses within trucking because there's some certain expense items that no matter how good you are, no matter how you know um, much commitment that you put towards safety and your lost run records, I mean there's still insurance that is if you go up 30 percent uh, on any given year, I mean you don't, I mean it might be game over for you. Uh, and but you're in, and in some cases you're seeing 100 percent increases. So I think what happened as part of COVID, they said okay we've got to we got to ramp this up pretty quickly because we got so much disruption. And acquisitions provide, through scale, um, a path to offset an expense item that you can't really control in some cases. So that, that's part of it. Um, another theme has been um, diversification. COVID has provided some extreme um, sensitivity to how overexposed some operations are by having all of their eggs in one basket. And so what we're seeing now is um, um, people coming to us who haven't really been that active in the M&A environment and just saying, hey, um, we, we have a, 
for, as far as the future is concerned, it's important for us to de-risk the business by uh, spreading our risk across different specialties. And so we've had several instances of someone that's just been traditionally drive-in, but now they're stepping into refrigerated trucking. Um, some folks that have been refrigerated trucking that are stepping out into intermodal. We've had, um, uh, you know, in, in some ways they're just like, just get me out of where I have 100% in one specialty, so I'm so overly exposed. And that's just been a really interesting development. And then um, I think the other part of it is the recognition that whether it's this crisis or whether it's just the growing expenses, people are starting to recognize to win the future, you need the top talent. And so um, I think more so than ever, people are saying like, hey, it's not just about drivers. It's not just about earnings. I need to go out and proactively seek who is the, you know, the best and the brightest in this industry and create my foundation for the future based on that talent. And they're using acquisitions to go out and acquire that talent. There, there has been a habitual talent shortage in the management and executive ranks in the trucking space for some time now. And it's interesting to hear you say you're seeing deal flow activity as a direct result of seeking to acquire qualified talent, almost along the lines of it's, it's easier to acquire really strong talent that comes with revenue associated with it versus trying to uh, you know, homegrown new executive talent, which can be very challenging in a very cost-conscious environment. I want to I talk a little bit about your first point, though, which was you made a specific comment about insurance, but it was more related to a comment around how acquisitions can be um, useful in providing some economies of scale and truckload, which is interesting. Um, there is a, uh, in certain circles, um, a common discussion as to in truckload if there is actually economies of scale or whether it's economies of density or in perhaps some circumstances both. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the economies of scale in truckload and how you think about that. You mentioned insurance, which makes a ton of sense. Obviously, that's been a large cost inflationary item for some period now. What are sort of the two, three, maybe the fourth other item that you think operators can find or unlock incremental elements of value through doing deals? I'll give you an example. We, we were um, in the process of uh, working with two uh, liquid bulk carriers, and we were we were pairing them up in the strategic rationale. They were both about $40 million in annual revenue. They both had pronounced insurance um, problems. Both were coming off. One had a 30% increase. One had a 100% increase at their most recent renewal. So the strategic rationale of doing the deal was, hey, by um, – the combined fleets, we think we'll have a better story and be able to drive a better insurance um, rate as, a, as part of that. So conceptually, that made sense. But we went out and, and, and during the due diligence process, went out and actually shopped it. It was actually worse uh, when we combined the two. It was actually like 100% higher. So, uh, so, but, but, so but, but what we discovered through the process is that um, – we were able to identify several other areas where we could um, justify the deal and then some and offset the insurance expense through several things. One was just uh, the elimination of duplicating terminals. It wasn't necessary. There was just um, a, a very you know a fixed expense that we could do away with to do much more efficient with that. Getting greater density, reducing the overall um, fuel expense per mile. Um, we could do a host of different things just in terms of eliminating uh, mid-level management that was duplicate between the two companies. So in this situation, we were able to find you know, either cost reductions or synergies to the tune of about $2 million, which more than offset the increase in the insurance. But um, you, know, you look at that and you start 
looking out three, five, seven years moving forward and all of the purchasing power that comes along with having an $80 million company versus a $40 million, it gets pretty big after that. Yeah, that that's really interesting commentary. And I, I think you make a good point or caveat within that, that you were looking at the bulk tank sector, which in and of itself is a, a unique sub-segment of the broader truckload industry. And Certainly, there are different levers that exist in that segment around the management of capital intensity that don't necessarily exist in the drive-in truckload sector, or perhaps even refrigerated. Um, so that, that is really interesting commentary. Now, um, I, I would anticipate that in the current volatility of the volume and rate environment, certain subsegments of the market, um, especially in dry, could be challenged to normalize financials to determine what an actual EV could be prior to uh, signing an LOI, would you, would you agree with that? Or have you found niches where operators have been able to be crafty or unique in determining how to appropriately value an operating company to come to an agreement? The, the, the majority of educated buyers are coming to the table. And um, you know what's, what's interesting about COVID, ordinarily, like if you just saw a dip in earnings, I mean, it's kind of like game over. Like, oh, you know, we had a dip in the last quarter. Like, don't like it, doesn't feel right, we're out. But because everyone has, I mean, no one has not been affected by COVID. And so what, what's interested, what's been interesting about this, it, it's allowed the conversation to um, stay open a little bit longer because we want, to, we want to learn a little bit more. What is this situation? Is this going to be reoccurring? Uh, is this something that will go away? And so what we're seeing um, in that environment, even specific to a couple of drive-in deals that we're working on right now, which we kind of have a target enterprise value, but we still have to have some type of earnout to go true that out. Um, and what's different about this environment is whereas like if you would have had a dip that maybe you know six months ago, we might have a 24 to 36 month earnout period. Well, now buyers are not necessarily asking for that because they're too experiencing something that they see as a non-reoccurring uh, effect. And so the, the term of that is just like, hey, just prove this out for the next 12 months, um, and then you can earn uh, the full amount of the enterprise value. But we have to work together to manage the risk between now and then. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and perhaps that's also a function of a strategic ap- acquisition on behalf of operators who can see you know, beyond a lot of the uncertainty and volatility to looking through to the true core value of an asset to try to get a deal done, which perhaps is a little bit different than if you're doing sort of a sponsor-to-sponsor transaction and you're shopping to a sponsor who perhaps might not be a market expert in a specific given subsegment, especially a capital-intensive one. I've had exactly zero participation from that profile that you just described. <laughs> right yeah. now, I mean, if they're not somewhat familiar with uh, the nuances of trucking, they've not been an active player in the last four or five months. Makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. So I, I guess to that extent, and um, let's talk a little bit about acquisition financing. Now, are, 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 you seeing, are you seeing a willingness among creditors to help finance deals, or are a lot of these cash transactions or equity exchanges? How have you thought about the financing component to these acquisitions? It's a, it's a little bit different, and in some ways, it's actually more beneficial. And so, whereas um, it can be pretty challenging to get sufficient attention for a company that wanted to exit that had, you know, 75 or like somewhere between 20 somewhere between 30 and 75 trucks it's just there there's not a significant amount of volume for them to get attention um in this process um what's been different now is that you know your traditional cash flow lenders have not necessarily pressed pause but they're not really actively 
lending on cash flow right now. So the, the what, what's what's beneficial to us? Well, now like what, in response to that, your asset-based lenders have gotten extremely aggressive. And so for a lot of folks that are kind of in that that pocket that hasn't you know traditionally gotten a lot of exposure, they're getting a lot more attention right now because the larger deals are a little bit tougher to piece together right now, especially when there's a significant portion of goodwill as part of the purchase price. Now, that may not be true with, you know, if, if we're talking about a private equity back, they're already there, like, that's not really an issue. But for someone, that, a large company that's just kind of getting in this space, it's going to be difficult for them to get sufficient financing for a deal that's over $100 million. Uh, it's just a challenge. But between that 20 to 100, there's a lot of opportunities to use asset-based lending uh, in conjunction with seller note or earnout uh, with a buyer's line of credit or some type of um, you know small equity piece. It's, it's I mean you can there's a lot of ways to piece a puzzle together to get a a very uh, positive win-win for everybody. It's very interesting to hear the countercyclical nature of the M&A market and truckload right now in relation to the broader economy, if you will, or even in relation to a normalized truckload timetable. I, I guess we have one minute less left, so I want to ask you kind of a brief but very interesting question is within that puzzle piecing, if you will, are you seeing a higher propensity for stock or asset purchase agreements? I've seen a little bit of both. And um, and what I'm also seeing is, from a valuation standpoint, pretty aggressive. And I think because what, what what's happened here is that COVID has provided a little bit of a help to the market because it's kind of called out, what are the best companies? Like in 2018... Uh, every every company looked good, right? And so now through this, um, the COVID has has um, allowed the strongest companies to shine very bright. And so for that, those companies that have done well during this period are really attracting high multiples. And and there it's an open conversation in terms of stock or or asset purchase, depending on what's required to get the deal done. Yeah. Well. Uh, I'm sure a lot of truckload operators who may be listening in right now would be very excited to hear that. And so with that, Spencer Tenney, president and CEO of the Tenney Group. Spencer, thank you very much for the incredibly rich and insightful commentary. Have a great day.